We've been in these past few weeks on a series about God being unchanging. We called it Unchanging God, and it's really stood on the premise that God is immutable. That's one of his attributes. That means that God cannot change. And in week one, we talked about how in God's eyes, sin hasn't changed. And what God thought was sin back then, it's still sin today. Amen. It doesn't matter if the world accepts it. It doesn't matter what they call it these days. If God said it's sin back then, it's still sin today. In week two, we had a great time and we talked about the unchanging fact that God, even though he doesn't answer your prayers, his will hasn't changed for your life. We answered that age-old question, what do I do when God doesn't answer my prayers? And then last week, we talked about always and forever, how Jesus Christ will love you forever the same way he did the first day you were born. How there's no sin, no nothing you can do that could ever make God love you less. And then we ripped up $50 and people were like, (gasps) and then we gave it away, amen. It doesn't matter what your problem is, what your issue might be, God still loves you. God still cares about you because God, somebody said God's unchanging. I want to look, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, I have two scriptures, Philippians chapter four, verse four and John 14, 27. So if you turn there or click there, however you do it, get there. Philippians four, verse four and John 14, verse 27. And as you're going there, the past, this past week, And maybe somebody can relate to this. This past week, a couple of the nights, I woke up just in a cold sweat. Anybody ever wake up with immediate anxiety? Immediate stress, is the enemy present right there in your heart, in your life, just speaking to you. And I want to talk to you today about how to handle the anxieties of life, the stresses of life, and what does the scriptures say that could bring you peace? And so we read Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this in Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, somebody say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your Bible might say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, somebody say everything, By prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27. Now, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Come on, bow your heads to Heavenly Father. We thank you for your worship that we had this morning. We thank you for this place you provided for us to congregate. We thank you for every spirit and soul in this place today. And we ask you would open our hearts and open us up to your will today, God. That you would just have your way. That you would break down every wall, every distraction in the name of Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Amen. In these two scriptures, we read the topic and the subject here is the peace of God. In one verse, we have Paul, this theologian that would come, this great apostle, and he's saying, listen, if you want peace of God, you have to have a mindset of rejoicing. And then you have Jesus on the other hand saying, listen, I'm going to give you peace and not just any kind of peace. It's a peace that the world could never 
ever steal from you. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus says there's something that he can give to me that no one could ever take from me, my ears perk up and my heart begins to just open to him. He says, listen, there's something that I give you, but not as the world gives it to you. Meaning the world does not have what I am able to give you. There's this peace that they can never offer you. That no medication can offer you. That no temporary satisfaction can offer you. There is a peace in God that only Christ Jesus can offer you. What is this peace that Jesus is talking about? Pastor, what is this peace that he's talking about? Because sometimes in my life, I don't have peace. I have more stress and problems and anxieties, and and I have more issues than peace sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Everybody has their great weeks, their good months, but then a season comes where it really tests you, and you want to kick everybody in your path. You want to yell at everybody at your job. You don't want to talk to any of your friends. They don't understand if you have friends. What is this peace that God offers? We read about it in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace that Jesus is offering, he says, listen, back in the days of the Bible, when they would see someone and they would leave from their presence, they would say, peace be with you. Back in the early 90s, you would say, peace. Jesus says, my peace be with you. And he says, my peace is not like the world. It won't leave once I am out of your presence. It stays with you. What peace? Paul says in Romans 5.1, he gives us this peace. And because we are justified through faith, we have a peace in our Lord God. What does he mean? He means this. He says, you were once an enemy of God. God was once against you because you had sin in your life. Because of the Adam and Eve situation, they caused sin upon everybody. But Jesus, as he died on the cross, his blood poured out. He reconciled you unto God. And now there was peace where there once was war in the spirit. God has made peace with you. And Jesus says, the peace that I give you, no man can take. The peace that I give you supersedes this earth because it is an eternal peace that you can have an assurance of your salvation. Knowing that no matter what happens, you have an assurance that you're going to have an eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. This peace that he offers says, it doesn't matter how difficult my circumstances might be. It doesn't matter how tired my life may be. It doesn't matter because I have a peace and an assurance that my mind is placed on heavenly things. And earthly situations don't affect me. Ephesians 2, 14 says, for he himself, talking about Christ Jesus, he is our, somebody shout, peace. And who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh this dividing wall of hostility. There was a dividing wall of hostility between you and me and God. But Jesus came, he died on the cross, and now he says to his disciples, listen, I'm leaving you a peace that you could never imagine. A peace the world could never give you. Have you, ever, have you ever had a situation in your heart and mind and you were really bothered by it, deep-seatedly bothered by it? And you're with someone for counsel, just to maybe a friend to talk to them and get it off your chest. And while you talk to them, things just seem to get better. But the moment you walked away, that night when you woke up and you just started thinking about it again, it started bothering you all over again. Jesus says, listen, the peace that I give you 
It doesn't matter because, because my peace will never, ever leave you. Let me put it another way. My peace is unchanging. I've saved you. Nothing can change that. I've redeemed you. Nothing can change that. I've, I've justified you by faith. I've sanctified you with my spirit. Nothing can change the fact that I have taken down the wall of hostility. You are now reconciled unto God. Nothing in this world, church, can offer you that level of peace. Nothing in this world can offer you that security. He says, don't be afraid no more because I've offered you peace. Let not your heart be troubled. I love that scripture because it always tells me that my heart being troubled is a choice. He says, let not. Jesus said it. Let not. Don't let it happen. Why? Because Jesus has given you peace. Jesus has brought a peace that no man could do. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. John 14, 1, believe in God and believe also in me. And you might say to yourself, pastor, what choice do I have? Sometimes it doesn't feel like my stress and my, my anxieties, maybe just my small problems in life. It seems like I don't have a choice whether to let them bother me or not. But Jesus says differently when he says, let not your heart. And this word heart, he means the center of who you are. Never let a situation unhinge God at your center. Never let something take God from the center of your life. Never let a problem, never let a circumstance, a situation, never let it happen and get you off your rocker for Jesus Christ. He says, stay centered in the heart of who you are. He said, trust in me, believe in me and believe in God. Come on, church. You have a choice in this peace. Are you going to choose the peace of God or are you going to choose the, the, the worrying about life, the questioning God completely and continuously saying, God, I don't understand. And God, I don't know. And God, 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 God. And God says, listen, listen, listen. Have peace in your life. I've offered you peace. You see how this works? This works like this, that you may be unsettled because you're, you maybe have a car situation and your car right now isn't working. Let's just go there. Your car's not working. Your transmission went. Who knows? It was leaking fluid, whatever it may be. And, and the thing about it is, is that God says this, and it may seem super spiritual, but it's not. He says, listen, I know that may be upsetting. Somebody say amen. amen. That's upsetting. But he says, but I give you a peace that supersedes that because although your car's not working, you have a free ride to salvation. That, that piece right there should put your heart at ease and say, listen, God will work this out. If he can work out my one-way ticket to heaven and we can't even find heaven, he's going he's gonna to be able to get me a car. He's going to fix any situation in my life. You may have a problem in your marriage, and, and, and it's not to say that those, I'm not trying to minimize any of your situations, but when you have your eyes stayed on Christ, when you have your heart stayed on him, and you're saying, you know what, I may have a problem, but there is a peace available to me that surpasses understanding, as Paul put it. Paul says, when you find yourself in a bad situation, what do you do? He says, rejoice. And then he said, and again I say, rejoice in the Lord. But what do you mean rejoice in the Lord? That, may, that sounds really deep. It doesn't mean to dance your head off. It just means that to rejoice in the Lord, in the salvation the Lord offers, in the peace the Lord brings you, in the joy the Lord has, in spite of everything you may go through, that the Lord is still on the throne, that the Lord is still on your side. You are no longer an enemy of God. You are a friend of God. You are part of the family. You are saved. You are sanctified. When all hell breaks loose, it's a rejoice in the Lord. And if you didn't hear me, again I say... 
Rejoice. Look to your neighbor. Tell him, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And he uses the word there, and it's a beautiful word because he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. He didn't say sometimes. He didn't say when it feels good. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord no matter what your circumstance may be. Rejoice in the Lord no matter what your problems may be. Just find a peace and a joy in God. And then he gives you a four-step process. Paul gives you a four-step process in Philippians 4 on how to rejoice in the Lord. And the first word he gives us is to pray. He says prayer, but in everything by prayer. He says by everything you have to pray. Prayer is the means by which we communicate with God. We present ourselves to the Lord through prayer. That's how you approach God. If you don't know what prayer is, maybe you're new here. Maybe that's a really church word for you. It just means it's the way we conversate and we communicate with God. Why is it important to pray? Well, church, the first step to attaining this peace that both Christ and Paul were speaking of, he says you have to begin to pray by everything in prayer and supplication. The first step to attaining God's peace is you seek God. You say, God, I have a situation beyond my control. That when you come into a wall that you can't pass, you would say to yourself, this is a job for Jesus. Only he can do it. If I know that in my strength that I cannot accomplish it, it is up to Jesus to do. And he says, come to me in prayer. In a nutshell, he says, replace your anxiety with prayer. He says, don't be anxious. He said, be prayerful. Far too many times we spend time being anxious rather than prayerful. We spend time mulling over our problems rather than just tossing it into God like a hot potato and say, your problem, God, not mine. I'm going to have peace because the peace that you offered me. The second level of peace that God offers you is this, is that the problem is his, not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't have to fight the battle. He says, I'll take care of it for you. Let me do this. Let me, let me worry about this. But sometimes we take situations into our own hands and we make a mess of them. Like a two-year-old while you're changing their diaper, they want to grab down there and they just come up with a handful of poo. Yeah, and they start flinging it all over the place and you got poo on the walls, you got poo on the ceiling and there's poop everywhere. And you're like, no, baby, don't do that. Daddy would take care of this. This is my job. How many times do we stick our hands into the problems of our life and make a mess all over? And we put a mess here and a mess there. And then we're like, I don't understand what is going on. And God's like, listen, just be still and know that I am God. I'm giving you a peace. And not like the world gives it a peace that only I can give you. Keep your mind stayed on me. Keep your heart stayed on me. I am God. I'll take care of this. He says, come to me in prayer. The problem is if you don't have a lifestyle of prayerfulness, it becomes hard just to go to God in these great times of problems and trials because then you feel like you're using God. The key here, church, is to have a lifestyle of prayerfulness. Having a lifestyle of prayer says that when you go before God in the midst of a great trial, you're not doing nothing new. You're doing the usual and God will take care of it. It means that you're you're doing what you always do. It's business as usual. I'm trusting God. Well, what are you going to do with that problem? I don't, I, I'm not worried about it. And we're not trying to be humanly ignorant. We're being spiritually smart saying God will show me a way. And when he shows me the way, I'll run towards it. But in the meantime, I don't want to make a mess of my life. Jumping into every area. 
Anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. Anxiety and prayer are like oil and water. They don't mix. There's no way you can pray to an all-powerful God and be able to give him all your problems and still be anxious. And so Paul says, listen, replace your anxiousness with prayerfulness. And lean in on God. Trust the Lord. He loves you. He cares about you. He's not here to defeat you. He's here to lift you up. And if he saved you, he didn't do it so you can come to heaven with three black eyes. With a broken leg. He'll take care of you. David said this. He said it like this. He said, I believe that I'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We've heard a gospel for too long that God's going to beat you up in this life and then restore you in the next. David said the opposite. I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of God in this life and in that life. The goodness of God. He says, listen, Paul says, be prayerful and replace your prayerful, rather your anxiety with prayer. Replace anxiety with prayer. Be prayerful. Be prayerful, church. I can't say it enough. Be prayerful when seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him first on your heart and mind. When you're feeling like the enemy is coming against you, pray to God and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that though a thousand may fall at my left and 10,000 at my right, that no harm will come nigh my dwellings, the Bible says. I'm trusting you, God, in prayer. Here's the second one. It's petition. Paul tells the church that you need to lay your petition before God. Your Bible might say supplication. It's another word for petition. And he says, lay your petition before God. When I was younger, people in the neighborhood used to want to do different agendas and things. And they would want to bring them before the city council. And what they would do is they would bring a petition to the neighborhood. And they would come and you would, they would want your signature for their petition. Maybe they wanted a stop sign at this certain location because kids played there and cars just drove through too fast. And they said, man, we need a stop sign. I remember Acorn came into our neighborhood and they put stop signs all over the place. People had to sign petitions. When you go before God and you bring your petition, you're saying, God, can you sign off on the fact that I need mental healing? God, can you sign off on the fact, can you, can you, it's like a, like a prescription. It's not good till the doctor writes his name on it. God, can you, can you give me the peace that I need? Can you give me the, 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 the wisdom to handle the situation that I am in? Can you help me out? Bring your petition before God, Paul says. Be specific with God. Tell God what you want. Be specific. And you might say, well, pastor, God knows what I want. But the beauty of God is he is a gentleman and he'll never impress anything upon your life. You don't ask him for it. He'll never do it. But God says this, bring your petitions, somebody say petitions, before the Lord. The first thing is prayer, the second is petition. Here's the third thing. He says, come with thanksgiving into God's presence. Come with thanksgiving. Come being thankful for God. Some of us go to God and say, God, I am always in this garbage mess. You never help me. You always abandon me. I am such a mess. I need your help. That's not how to pray. That's not how you pray. You got to pray with thanksgiving in your mouth. What does that mean? That you say, God, here I am again. Remember last time when I was in that situation and you said deliverance my way? I thank you for that. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my daughter. I thank you for a healthy birth for my next daughter. I thank you for my car and my house. Oh, and by the way, I got this problem too, that if you would take take care of this, I'm going to thank you for it next time I pray. Lord, I need a spirit of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude. To go before God, if you don't give God thanks when you pray, you're doing it all wrong. 
It's like cooking cookies without like flour or pancakes without flour. That's just terrible. You know, every year we do our 21-day Daniel's fast, and, and, and it's like somebody tries to replace a, a, a really good rest. You can't replace bread. Church, bread is bread. You need the ingredients that are in bread to make bread. And I remember a couple of times we made a fast-friendly bread or a fast-friendly cookies or fast-friendly this. Listen, just eat the fruit and leave it alone. <laughs> just stop. Drink your boathouse. Do whatever you got to do. Chomp on celery with, like, organic peanut butter, but stop trying to, you can't substitute good, old-fashioned, unhealthy, white, fluffy bread. Can't do it. And likewise, you can't substitute thankfulness to God. You got to be thankful. You got to say, God, regardless of my situation, I woke up with blessings that I can't even begin to name. Blessings like my job. I was speaking to a young man yesterday at our marriage ministry, which was amazing last night. Amen. Praise God. If you were there, you were blessed by it. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thank God for that. And I was sitting with this young man from another church and, and, and he was talking to him. I said, where do you work? He said, I work here. I live in West Haven. I commute to Norwalk. And I said, do you like the job? And he said, I don't like it, but I'm just so grateful that I have a job. And I was like, man, that attitude is going to take you so far in life. Because some people are like, my boss this and this and that, and it's just so unfair because that is shut up. (laughs) Seriously, love your job. Thank God for your job. Thank God that you have an opportunity to work. Thank God for your household. Thank God for your family because you don't appreciate until they're gone. Thank God for those around you. Thank God for every blessing you have. Thank God for the simple things. God, I thank you that I woke up this morning. That sounds so churchy, but it's so powerful because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Some of you could just thank God for the bed you sleep on, because I know many people don't have beds. You could thank God for the fact that you slept that night, because some people deal with so much anxiety they can't sleep at night. So much stress they can't sleep at night. And these cold nights, you could thank God for the heaters in your households. You can thank God for the small things. And, and once God sees you've been faithful in the small, I'm preaching right now to somebody, that you can handle something bigger, but until you thank God for the small. Have you, ever, have you ever done something for somebody and they didn't even thank you for it? You put a lot of thought into it. You put a lot of, and they just walk by like, oh, okay, like, all right, whatever. You're like, what? Disrespectful. You're like, I put my heart and soul into this favor I'm doing for you, and you act like nothing? Church, when God does the small things, we should thank him for the small things. I'm learning in my own household to thank my wife for the small things. To me, they're small, but to women, they know they're big, like dinner. Thank you, honey, for dinner. Thank you for that coffee. Thank you for this and thank you for that. You look so beautiful when you're cooking, honey. You look pretty. Louis, leave me alone. But you look so pretty when you're cooking, honey. I thank her for the small things. Thank you for that cup of water. Thank you for that snack. Thank you for this. Thank you for whatever. Just thank her. Yeah. Be thankful because that will get you more. Amen. <laughs> trying, to, trying to work this here. The, the other day, I was, I was going to hang out with one of the brothers in the church. And I said to him, listen, you pick me up and I'll buy you coffee. I said, I know a great place that makes a great cup of coffee about seven minutes from my house. And he texts me back. He goes, I know a great place that makes coffee about seven steps from your bedroom. I'm like, honey, I think he wants coffee. But I had to thank her for that morning as she made it. And she got up early. And I'm like, thank you so much, honey. Thankfulness. Because when you thank someone, they know you appreciated it. And they're more liable to bless you again. 
when you show thankfulness. That's why I try and thank all of our volunteers all the time as I walk through the hallway. Thank you so much. I appreciate what you're doing. Thankfulness. It's no different with God, church. When you're thankful, Paul says, come before the Lord with a spirit of thanksgiving. With a spirit of thanksgiving. You can never underestimate the powerful, the power rather of being grateful. You can never underestimate the power of just saying, wow, I'm so appreciative of that. God says, if you want to come before me, then do it with the spirit of thanksgiving. With a praise on your lips, saying, God, I, I praise you, I thank you for what you've done. And if you've got nothing to be thankful for, you can thank him for Jesus Christ. For salvation. For eternal life. For the hope of glory. Thank God for his blessings over your life, his continued favor. In every season, you must be thankful before God. And the last one, it's almost redundant, this last one. As I was reading it, I'm like, he said it again. The first time he said petition, which is really a legal term, your petition before God. And the last one, he says, make your request made known to God. So first he says, petition God. And then he says, request of God. I look at it like saying, God, I submitted my petition. Um, what is the status on that? <laughs> uh, God, I'm, I don't think you forgot because you're God and you're great and you're strong and everything else. But Lord, I just want to know if there's a time frame in which we're kind of operating here. I just want to know if I have a week to wait or a year. Just let me know. And sometimes God will just strengthen you to stand in the place you're standing. And, and sometimes God in those moments will give you direction. He says, listen, make a request. He reinforces it. Request. Be specific to God. Be specific to God. When you pray, focus. I don't know about you, but I have prayer ADHD. That when I go to pray, everybody wants to call me and everybody wants to text me. And so I turn my phone off and then my mind just starts firing. It's like fireworks all over. It's just like boom, 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 boom. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got off. I got to do this. I forgot to do that. And my mind just goes off. And before you know it, you've prayed for like 47 seconds and you're tired. And you're like, I have, why am I praying if I have so much to do? And, and, and in those moments... I have to focus in and make my request to God. I started just writing stuff down. If it comes to my head, I write it down, hand it later. Because I want to make my request known to God. God, I'm, I'm coming before you, not just to thank you, but to ask you of this situation, these circumstances in my life. And I, I believe personally in being very specific with God. Very specific. I've always said that for years and years. Be specific with God. One of the greatest uh, specifics that I gave to God, I, I said it before, was my wife. When I prayed and I was sitting in a men's meeting and I said, listen, you got to be specific with God. And I said, I want this, that. I want Curly here. she got to sing, got to this, got to that, got to this. You were there, Emma. And the minute Emma saw her, I never even told her she was coming. He walked up to her. She walked into church. He goes, you're the pastor's wife. It was her first time in church. Because he recognized what I had prayed for. Are you specific with God? Or do you say, God, I need an answer. Well, God, these answers I'm looking for to this situation, to that situation, and to this one. I need an answer to my prayers. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, and I'll close with this. Casting all your anxieties on him. Casting all. Somebody say all. Peter writes that he's one of the, 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 my favorite apostles and, and he, he's the Peter who preached on Pentecost and he's the same Peter who denied Christ. And so we see that all throughout scripture, he's had a roller coaster with Jesus and now he's, he's like really, really like the father of the whole church. And he says, listen, listen, cast all 
And he says, cast it. Like he's a fisherman. He's used to casting his nets out. He says, cast all your anxieties on him. And he doesn't just tell you cast them all. He tells you why afterwards. He says, why? Because he, meaning God, Jesus Christ, because he cares. Somebody shout cares. He cares for you. And that's tough to believe that God would care for me that God would care for you, that God would care for us individually and not just as a whole. God cares for every single aspect of your life. God cares about everything that causes anxiety in you. God cares. God cares about every problem you have, every circumstance you have, every situation you have. Everything that bothers your heart bothers God. Everything that troubles your spirit troubles God for you. And here's, here's the beauty of it, that because God is God, And he is unchanging. He'll never, ever stop caring about the things that bother you. Well, pastor, what does that mean? What it means is this, church. It means that he won't stop until there's a solution to everything you face. He won't stop. How can you say that? Because God is in the business. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, come to me. All who are weary, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. In John 14, 27, Jesus stands just hours before he would die. He stands before his disciples and he says, listen, the peace that I give you, the world cannot give you. They can't give it to you. And the peace that I offer you, no one else can offer you. And I don't do it like the world does. I don't give you temporary satisfaction. Come on, church. All of us have been in situations where we were temporary, temporarily satisfied. We were satisfied by sin for a season. And the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible says that it's pleasurable. And we were satisfied by this for a season and by that for a season. But there comes a season in your life where you can only be satisfied by what God offers you. Amen? But Paul says something interesting. You may say to yourself, well, pastor, why should I do this? What makes me want to pray to be thankful, to petition God? Why do I owe it to God? Why why should I do any of that? Listen to what Paul says. Paul says in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all, somebody say understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah said it like this in 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Where's my volunteers for today? Where's Elias? I have, I have a little illustration that I want to show to you because the Bible says that the peace of God will stand in your life. As a century. And Paul writes this as he's in prison. And so he looks around and he sees this guard. And he says, listen, the peace of God is like a guard in your life. It's like a guard in your life. What do you, what do you have for me? Where's the rest of my volunteers? All right. I, I need, I need, I'll just take this one for now. Or maybe I'll take this one for now. Amen. How many of you know? I love playing dodgeball, Elias. Don't take this personal. You know, I love you so much, but um, watch about behind you because that, the peace of God is going to guard. Sometimes life hits you when you're not looking, right? And sometimes you just, you just stand there and life just beats you up. Where's this basketball? I'm going gonna, 
gonna hit your legs, don't worry. And life just gets you, and life just, you're like, man, but sometimes, where's the rest of my volunteers? Come here, band. Come here, praise and worship. All those times he was off key, now is the time. Come on. Football. Here, take some balls. Hold on, guys, give me one second. He came off the piano. Come on, come on. Here we go. And on the count of three, we're gonna let him have it. I got some extra stuff here. I got, some, I got no baseballs. No, no baseballs. Come on. I'm just saying. Problems never come one by one. Anxieties, ready? One, two, three. They just come at you and they hit you and they beat you up and they get you and they're like, oh my God, oh, but I got all these problems. God, you're such a good sport. I got all these problems. Get the balls, guys. Hurry up. Everybody, get the balls. Come here, come here. You come here. No, you come here. I got all these problems and oh my God, come here. But then God says this. God says, but the peace of God, the peace of God, Manny, Manny's the peace of God. It says the peace of God will stand guard over your heart and your, come on, try and hit Elias now. The peace of God is going to stand guard over your heart. It looks crazy, but the peace of God will stand guard over your heart. It will not let it come near you. Situations will not bother you. You'll be like, it's coming at me, God, but your peace is guarding my heart. Your peace is guarding me. I don't care what it looks like. The peace of God is with me. And you devil, you tried it, but I got the peace of God. I know that my life right now might be troublesome, but there comes a day when I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Who needs the peace of God to guard your heart? The peace of God to guard your mind. The peace of God that anxieties won't get to you. Brokenness won't get to you. Backstabbing won't get to you. Pain at work won't get to you physical health won't get to you because the peace of God is guarding your heart it is guarding your mind like a sentry standing there strong and tall saying nothing it's like Gandalf in the in the Lord of the Rings you shall not pass you're not coming near me you're not going to break me down the peace of God the peace of God is your strength times of trial. It's the peace of God, the unchanging peace of God, that he has redeemed you. He has saved you. You are not an enemy of the cross. But you are a friend of God, a brother. The peace of God. When anxiety comes your way about your family, the peace of God. When trouble comes your way and your heart's just stirred in the wrong path, capacity, the peace of God. When you, when you want to be super saved, but things really do bother you, the peace of God. The peace of God in your heart and in your life. Jesus said, man, the peace that I give you, it's not like the world gives. It's not like the world gives. It's the peace that'll make you stand strong in the middle of a storm and all hell is breaking loose because the peace of God is just protecting you. It is just guiding you. And you can hide behind Christ. In every circumstance, in every area of life, you can get behind God you're ready to let go of all the fakeness you can get behind God and you can put the act that you can do it by yourself but when you're done with all that foolishness you can get behind God when you're, when you're tired of making it look like you got it all put together you can get behind God and you can say God here I am I thank you for everything you've done for me up until this point in my life you've been so gracious to me but I don't even deserve it God here's my petition and my request God I really need you to give me peace in this situation because it's beyond my capacity to handle it and if it's beyond my capacity to handle it your word says that you wouldn't give me nothing that I couldn't handle so that means that you got to handle it for me the Christ in me so in the meantime would you send the peace of God to protect my heart 
protect my mind. In the meantime, until a solution comes, will you send the peace of God to come work on my behalf? Will you send the peace of God to come and stand with me in the midst of trial and tribulation? Will you send the peace of God that nothing is going to get to me because there is God standing guard over my heart? Pastor, what is this peace? This is the peace, church. This is the peace that you have eternal life in him. that what happens in this world pales in comparison to what God has in store for you that's the peace of God the unchanging immutable peace of God that'll never change come on would you stand with me today church that'll never change that won't change the peace of God we thank God for his peace today come on you need that peace just lift your hand as high as you can we're going to pray today as a family as a church come on that's you you're saying man i want that peace of god pastor i want the peace that surpasses understanding the peace that just goes beyond my comprehension lord i want that peace that peace that says you know what regardless of anything in my life god is standing guard over my heart he's standing as a sentry over my heart and my mind and god is with me and no weapon that comes against me is going to prosper because god is here in my life come on that's right that's right come on father you see every hand raised you see every heart that is troubled you see every circumstance you see every situation you see every lie of the enemy every plot every ploy god you see it and you know it and you understand it god will you send your peace your strengthening peace would you send the peace of god the peace the world cannot give would you send your peace god to stand guard and to stand sentry over our hearts and our minds as we lift up a shot of praise to god as we lift up to god believing and trusting you come on if you believe it begin to worship him right now and say god i'm believing in your peace that is over my life i am believing and i am trusting you god for i know that you are not a man that you would lie that you are not a man that you would lie i believe it in jesus name come on lift up a shout of praise in this place god we thank you we thank you father for your never-ending peace for your never-ending strength we thank you father god for your amazing grace we thank you lord in spite of our situation come on somebody needs to enter into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart begin to thank him god i thank you for the small things in my life i might have come in here heavy burden but i'm gonna leave in the joy of the lord i'm gonna leave in the peace of god i'm gonna leave knowing that god is with me that god is strengthening me that god goes before me he is behind me he is to my left he is to my right and no weapon is gonna prosper come on i dare somebody to open your mouth and begin to thank god in this place today Amazing grace, come on, lift it up. Come on and lift your hands, hallelujah.